I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. Here's the fangirls on Jackalope Radio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and tonight's episode is super, super special because our guest uh, interview for this episode is Mr. Robert Patrick. And um, as you may or may not know, um, and if you don't know, uh, your sci-fi cred is in desperate need of up. Yeah. Um, Robert Patrick played the T-1000 in Terminator 2. He's been in such films as Fire in the Sky, uh, Strip Tease, and a slew of other films, action movies, and as well as uh, the X-Files. Uh, and uh, recently he was in The Last Stand, and on the feature uh, film uh, theater theatrical run actually i can't talk very well tonight um i'm pretty excited uh he was in gangster squad and uh so he is amazing he's got a film library uh under his belt that is excellent and uh not only that but he's voiced uh a couple of uh, very well-known comic book characters he was hawkman and uh some of the dc stuff out there so robert patrick is amazing and um i got the uh honor of getting to talk to him at length about his career what it's like to be in hollywood as a working actor and uh, just some of the great stuff that he's involved with, uh, such as the uh, Booze Fighters. Uh, he, uh, before you take uh, offense at the name, it is a motorcycle club that he is has the charter for in L.A. And they do uh, a deal called the Love Run, where they raise money for uh, veterans, kids, uh, the poor, and just... Uh, great great charity he's turned it into a nonprofit, and he has people like peter fonda with him and jay leno and they go around and raise money and uh i believe the last the last run they did raised almost a half a million dollars which is amazing um and actually this weekend which was super bowl weekend um, he went overseas, and I think we talk about this as well on the interview. Uh, he was overseas in uh, the Middle East um, watching the Super Bowl with the troops. Him and Matthew Lillard and some other uh, celebrities went over there, and that's just awesome. So Robert Patrick is as cool as you would ever imagine, and it was great to get to talk to him and uh, find out what he's up to. And also, uh, what another thing he's up to is next month... In March in Cincinnati, the weekend of the 22nd, uh, he will be at Horror Hound Weekend, which I help co-run. And uh, it's a pretty big deal because this is the first horror convention that um, Robert Patrick has done ever. 
and it's the first convention period that he's done in quite a while. So uh, for those of you who have attended the previous Horror Hound weekends where we had um, Eddie Furlong, Michael Behan, and Linda Hamilton, here's your chance to add to that Terminator 2 poster with the T-1000, who is one of the most badass uh, robots ever in cinema, at least to me. I loved him. So that being said, <clears throat> before we get into that, I just had a couple of things to talk about real fast uh, in the Week in Geek. And um, one of them is the fact that the rumors are starting to fly right now. If you, if you know anything about me at all, you know that one of my favorite of all time comic book characters is, is the Incredible Hulk. Thanks to the Avengers, uh, the Hulk has become a very predominant force once again within Marvel. <clears throat> and... Um, uh, the rumors are flying now about what's going to happen with the Hulk. Since uh, the Avengers caused, with, with, well, the Avengers made the Hulk awesome again. Um, I, 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 for one, love the Hulk in every um, incarnation he's had. But Ruffalo, Ruffle Hulk, as I love to call him, uh, did such a great job with that character. And uh, just the whole motion capture, how they brought him to life, how he actually looks like Mark Ruffalo. The whole thing, they did such a great job with him. And so he became like one of the stars of the movie. And uh, now with the, the Avengers 2 getting ready to start up, they're wanting to do more with that character. And they're talking about having a spinoff standalone uh, Hulk film. But where are you going to go with how big the Avengers has gotten with the character? And... Um, one of my favorite all-time, I mean, it's up there with Kingdom Come, um, comic books uh, series was Planet Hulk, which is probably one of the most um, epic. Uh, it's right up there with Blackest Night as well. I mean, it's just a massive story. And it puts Hulk center stage. It's got tragedy. It's got adventure. It's got fighting. It's just got beautiful, beautiful story. And they're talking about actually using Planet Hulk now. Kevin Sieg uh, at uh, Marvel was talking about the fact that they're they're looking into using that as the uh, setting off point for the the Hulk film, and then following that up with World War Hulk, which would be ridiculous because of the characters involved and just the crazy crazy stuff that goes on. Um, that's a, probably a few years down the road, but apparently they've just signed Ruffle Hulk up for like six uh, films with uh, Marvel Studios. So they, they like him too. And uh, if they're going to go the Planet Hulk route, that means that we have to get a Doctor Strange in there. And my vote is still, and I know you guys probably expect this of me, but I can't think of anyone else that would really do it justice as well, which is uh, Doctor Strange. They have to get him in there, and uh, I would love for Johnny Depp to play that character. He looks like him. He could totally pull off the mystique, and I think it would be great. So, But anyway, that's where we're going right now. That's the big story uh, in the world of Marvel's film world. Uh that they are going to hopefully go with Planet Hulk and then World War Hulk. And if you thought the Avengers was epic in scope and, and battles, take a gander at uh, World War Hulk and also uh, remember that that's where Scar comes from. The, uh, the son of Hulk came out of all of that. So here's hoping that that is where they go. I would love to see them try and bring that to life. <clears throat> And one more thing before we get into our interview uh, this of this episode. Uh, 
as of today, which um, let's see, this is going to air on Thursday. This is going. This is Thursday. So um, we just got confirmation that some a skeleton that was found. I believe it was under a parking garage in a in a parking lot in England. Um, it has been confirmed as the remains of King Richard III, the actual remains of uh, King Richard III, who died in battle, and the wounds of this, uh, that the skeleton has, the, the massive head wound, um, the curvature of the spine, which is from his hunchback, uh, everything um, led these people to believe that this was who this was, and then they actually got back the results of the DNA testing, and it is, in fact, Richard III. I think that is amazing. That is just so crazy cool that they found him. And what's even cooler is the fact that the guy um, uh, that they tested uh, for the, 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 the descendant actually was told at one point in his life, you got to be ready that if ever they do find uh, uh, the remains and think it might be him, that you're going to have to be tested to confirm it and the DNA matches. So they found Richard III. You know, that's that's awesome. I, I'm a Shakespeare nerd, so I'm sorry. I'm a history nut. That makes me happy. Anyway, that being said, I, I know you guys want to hear from uh, Robert Patrick, and that's where we're heading right now. Um, you probably won't hear back from me uh, after that interview. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this. It was an honor and a thrill to talk to this guy. Um, he's been in so many wonderful, wonderful things. And you have a chance to um, meet him, get autographs, photos with him in March, March 22nd through the 24th in Cincinnati, Ohio. And it's Horrorhound Weekend, and you can go check out the site, horrorhoundweekend.com. Also, before I forget, um, we are doing a contest right now on fangirlmag.com, Fangirl Magazine, where we are giving away two cast-signed possession po movie posters, full-size posters, as well as two Blu-rays of the film uh, via Lionsgate. They sent it to us. It's signed by all the cast two full-size possession movie posters very easy way to enter um as of the airing this is thursday night i will be uh, you have until friday night at midnight so you have all day tomorrow up until midnight to enter all you have to do go to fangirlmag.com comment on the thread and um, i'm going to draw names from all the comments and if you win i'll let you know and i'll send you either the blu-ray or the movie poster um, we have two of each, so go ahead and try out for the contest. And right now, my pleasure to uh, share with you my interview with Mr. Robert Patrick. Hey, everybody, and um, we are here with our special guest, Robert Patrick, who um, I have b always been a huge fan of. I even, I, back in the day, I've seen The Cool Surface. I've seen Hong Kong 97, Last Gasp, X-Files, Fire in the Sky. I could list them all off, but uh, he is the man, and um, we are ha happy to have you on the show today, Robert. Thank you very much. Throw the beer. <laughs> So um, let's get to it. I have quite a few questions for you, and I, I know you have a busy schedule. But um, so 
you were one of these actors. I, I did some re- when I was doing some research on your background. You you started coming to the game of uh, acting kind of late, uh, for uh, in comparison to some actors. But um, you know what what made you want to go that route? I had absolutely nothing else that interested me, and I was very unmotivated to try anything. And the only thing that I got excited about, really. Uh, was acting, and even though I had very little experience, I'd done a play when I was in third grade, and I'd done a few things where I stood on stage and like talent shows and stuff like that. Um, I really had no idea that that's what I was going to pursue professionally uh, until I, I came to the realization there was really nothing else that I really wanted to do. And uh, I left, um, I was living in Cleveland, Ohio at the time, and I left Cleveland, Ohio in uh, September, September 15th of 1984 and moved to L.A. and came out here and lived in my car for a while, met some people, got a play, did a play. Somebody from that saw me in the play and got me an audition for Roger Corman. And I worked for Roger Corman for several years doing some very low-budget movies, being flown all over the world, but I was starring in movies and I learned my craft and Finally got in the Screen Actors Guild, got an agent, and the first legitimate job I got was Die Hard 2. That's amazing. And I was going to ask you about how was it working with Corman and that and that crew? Because you did, a, I think, I know of at least three movies that you did there, and, and I've seen a few of them, like Hollywood Boulevard 2. How was that working on those kind of films? Oh, it's a great experience. I love Roger Corman. I love the fact that uh, I, I, I crossed paths with him and his production company when I did uh, it was film school. It was a chance to go learn how to act in front of a camera and, and be professional and be paid. And, uh, you know, if you had a good attitude and a willingness to learn, there was a lot you could learn. And and uh, they would use you again and again. And it benefited me greatly because there was a young filmmaker that had also worked for Roger Corner, and his name was Jim Cameron. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when he looked at my resume uh, and saw that I had done all these movies with Roger Corman, uh, that had an impact on him. Mm-hmm. He could relate to me, and he knew the environment in which I'd worked. And uh, he, uh, uh, I had uh, that. That was in my favor when he went to uh, to uh, cast me. That's amazing. So yeah, and, and, kind of crossed that, paths. Crossed yeah, paths Corman, a, a spirit. Yeah, Corman definitely, he gave life to so many of the big-time filmmakers now, and no one really realized, I, I think a lot of people are slowly realizing that, and that's pretty amazing. I'm talking to my driver, I'm in a car right now, leaving an interview, I've got to run into a bank real quick, because I'm leaving town tomorrow. Are you going to be able to hold on for a second? Sure, sure. You hear me? Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I still can hear you. i got I got to go into a bank while I'm talking to you, because I'm leaving town tomorrow for the Middle East. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> so hold on one second. I got to get some traveling money. Uh, <laughs> no I got to go to a teller. I apologize. I just got no so worries much shit at all. going on. Hold on one second. <laughs> You're going to hear me do a transaction. Okay. No worries. We, we'll cut this part don't, out for sure. But don't no print worries. it. All right. All no right. worries. <laughs> hold on one second. Okay, I'm back with you. All right, awesome. And so, Go ahead. Um, I'm gonna. 
Well, I was going to ask you about, you've got, um, I've read that you have an interest in martial arts and that has influenced um, a lot of your role decisions, some of the movies that you've done, um, and including that awesome hair that you had in Double Dragon, which I absolutely still love. Um, can, so do you, um, what, what helps you choose a project? What do you look for in them? What, 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 what do you have to, what help, what, what, why do I choose a project? Yeah, what, what, what leads to you choosing, yeah, what leads to you choosing a project? Uh, uh, well, there's, there's many things, uh, like, you know, an, an actor, an actor works, you know, I've been making a living at it for 30 years and, you know, you have to kind of go with the business and, and, and you take what opportunities are presented at you, uh, to you, and you try to choose the best projects you can, but you have many variables, just like anybody. You have to uh, try to choose the best projects that are available to you, what you're being offered or what you can audition for, and mm-hmm. you, have to, you have to make a living, so you have to try to juggle the artistic part of it, but also take a look at your bank account and see, uh, you know, what you need to do to pay your bills. Mm-hmm. And that's sort and, of, you know, that's sort of what it's like to be an actor, you know, in the 21st century as it, as it always is. I mean, it's like, you know, what, what, I, you know, I, I, I want to be a professional actor. I want to make a living at this, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what opportunities are being presented to me. And, uh, you go from there. So on that criteria, then you, you read material and you, you try to line yourself up with the best people you can possibly work with and, um, you know, take, uh, take advantage of what's, uh, what's available, what uh, economically you'll benefit from. Perhaps you, you'll do a role just based on how great the character is and not necessarily uh, about what they're actually paying you. Who are the other actors you're working with? Who's the director? Um, and you just have to be honest with yourself and and know that, you know, all right, I'm doing this one for the money and I got to try to make it the best I can, but it's not the best script. Uh, but I'll try to elevate the project or you might be in a situation where you're doing a great script with a great filmmaker and a great studio and uh, great actors. And, and, you know, you might not be getting the compensation you want, but it's a better project for you career-wise to have a better impact on you, uh, uh, on your career. You see what I'm saying? So you sort of juggle oh, yeah. all that. You have yeah, to I like the that. honesty. I like the honesty yeah. of that answer because that's, that's well, great. That's, and because... Well, I was going to say you've done so such a various projects in your career. I mean, you and and uh, and I love that you've you've kept a, a steady career in mainstream films, but you've also done the genre work and things like that. And I was going to ask, how um, do you still have a love for like the sci-fi genre and and the horror genre? Because you've done a little bit of both, but definitely you're known for some of your sci-fi work. Yeah, I haven't done uh, haven't done a lot of horror genre. I've done one movie that I can think in particular that's a horror film, uh, and uh, the rest are I would say more sci-fi bent uh, that are in a particular genre. Um, I've done a lot of exploitive uh, action films, and uh, you know, and, and and then like you say, I try to stay busy in the mainstream films, uh, more character-driven mm-hmm. pieces. 
And, 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 and again, it's just, you got to kind of juggle it. You know, I mean, you kind of, as my friend Bruce Davison says, you know, you kind of go wherever the business kicks you. And, you know, you find yourself doing different things at different times. And you just have to be, you know, you have to be honest and truthful with yourself and realize what you're getting involved with uh, before you do it. You know, I mean, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've done films and I've really, really worked hard to try to elevate the project only to be let down by the people I'm working with because they, they, they're they not at the same level or weren't able to achieve the same, uh, you know, uh, uh, what they what, what what they set out to achieve. They didn't make a very good film in happenstance. And then you stand there going like, well, all right, I hope I get a good enough job. You know, I hope my work's going to be okay and I'm not going to suffer. And so far, so far, you know, you know, nobody, nobody uh, admonishes an actor for working. I mean, that's what we do. So uh, right. you know, there, there are films out there that I'm not proud of. Uh, but, you know, I am proud of the fact that I'm able to make a living as an actor. Well, and, and every time I see that you're nah, in that, something... How's that I, for an answer? That's an awesome answer. That is a very good answer, sir. I don't think it's fair to sit there and point at projects and comment on projects. I think that's up to the audience to decide, you know, you know, if, 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 they're, if they're familiar with my filmography and they can kind of look to certain things and go like, well, you know, he obviously did this for you. It was a payday or something. But, you know, you can't begrudge somebody for trying to make a living, you know? Well, no, and and I actually, I, like I was going to, I was going to say is every time I see that you're involved with a project, I know that, I, I know. Well, he's going to be good in it. I mean, you you really do. I I know the movies that you. I probably can guess the movies you're talking about, and I'm like, he's always good in them. You you always bring class to it, and I want to thank you for that because you really do. Well, I try hard. I I try really really hard, and. Uh... Uh, I, I, every time I get involved with a project, I try my damnedest to make it the best I can to help tell the story and do it the best way. But I, you know, I, I you know, I'd, I'd be lying to myself if I didn't know that there's some things that I've done that I kind of go like, well, if I was in a different place economically, I probably wouldn't have done that project. But you know what? I got kids to feed. No, oh, I and and I can't. We can't blame you for that. You know, you're, you're not gonna. You're blameless is, in that one. Which which is one of the reasons why I migrated to television for a while there I was just doing film and uh, I was doing film and I was doing movies that were going right to DVD and and you know you kind of look at what you're doing and then all of a sudden you get an opportunity to do something on television with a great writer like David Chase and you do the Sopranos and you realize you know TV's a medium that I haven't really exploited I should investigate a little bit and see if see if the TV world would be interested in hiring me and uh, try to get myself involved with some good projects on television. And, um, um, you know, you, 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 I was very lucky that uh, David Chase hired me for The Sopranos and then Chris Carter hired me for The X-Files, and that sent me off on a different odyssey and making a very good, making a very good living on The X-Files and enjoyed that experience immensely, and it was great writing and great acting and great production value, and I'm very proud of those years. And then, um, you know, uh, <laughs> sometime after that, <laughs> I wind up doing the unit for four years or five years with uh, uh, Sean Ryan and David Mamet, the Pulitzer mm-hmm. Prize winning playwright. And I'm doing, you know, I think great television uh, working with them. And, and then that leads into, uh, you know, uh, Alan Ball and uh, HBO asked me to come do some True Blood and 
had a great experience with those guys, and now I'm a series regular on there doing, I think, great television and great stories uh, for HBO, and it's uh, terrific writing and great production I was value, gonna, and I think the audience I was like gonna that. Ask and you. also Last Resort, you know, Last Resort I just did for ABC, yeah. which was Sean Ryan, I worked with him again the second time, and I think we yeah. made a great little show, it, it didn't work, but uh, uh, it, it didn't work uh, from the point of view we didn't get the viewers, but um, you know, we, we certainly tried to make the best television we could. But so what's happened is it's a new paradigm for actors. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't survive as an actor anymore just on, um, um, you can't really survive anymore as an actor just on, on, on movies unless you're a huge movie star like a Tom Cruise or, you know, um, you know, name a, name a, you know, uh, a big movie star. So those are the only guys that are really going from movie to movie anymore. The rest of us are all like, you know, scrambling for work and, uh, yeah, you know, we can, we can find ourselves doing some television. Uh, my good well, buddy Kevin thing, Bacon is now doing a television show and, you know, so you well, the thing to, I was going to, I was going to say is that now, um, TV is like really one of the places though, if you want quality stuff, people are going to television, like with The Walking Dead, with, with True Blood, with with some of these, um, H, you know, like Justified and, and shows like that. The television's Absolutely. where, yeah, at television's where the good storytelling's at now. Television's and, uh, where the good storytelling's at, and, and there's so many great shows on TV, Breaking Bad. Uh, ben yeah. Gilligan, the guy that created Breaking Bad, was one of our writers on uh, The X-Files. X-Files. Uh, uh, Walking Dead, you well, mentioned Glenn Mazzara was a showrunner on that. He's a great guy. He used to work for Sean Ryan. He was on The Shield. He was one of the writers on The Shield. Um, you know, so yeah, yeah these, absolutely. The great stuff's there. One thing I wanted to bring up about True Blood, though, they have a really bad knack for killing off characters I like. So I hope you don't get the curse of me on you because I really, well, this is really the loved. Last season, so. this right. Is the well, last that's season, true. So. <laughs> so I may get killed off. I don't know what's going to happen to my guy. But uh, right we now I'm a werewolf. Powerful. That's all I know. That's awesome. <laughs> I gotta tell you. Yeah. Right now. But I'm a I, I wanted. I wanted to ask you about because um, one thing I, I I love about your career is you've played so many historical characters and, and especially within the music industry you've done you've played Johnny Cash's dad you've played Elvis's dad um, I wanted to ask you about how is it that an Elvis. actor you, yeah exactly Lonely Street you played Elvis. And yeah. uh, by the way, my sister, I have to give her a shout out here, is absolutely enamored of you now because of that. Um, so, ah, cool. uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you, what is it as an actor, how do you go into doing um, characters like this who are historical figures differently than you would a fictional character? Um, just, you know, get, like a really, if there's a way to condense down an answer for that, because it's got to be different. Yeah, uh, well, you know, uh, I knew a lot about Vernon Presley, and, uh, you know, you just try to you approach them like you do any character. You try to find out as much as you can about them and try to get in their mindset, and then, uh, you know, you try to fill it, fill it in for the story and, and uh, make it real. Um, you know, what they were thinking, where they came from, where they, where they were born, what was their, what were they like? What did people say about them? You do as much research as you can. For Johnny Cash's dad, I did all that research. And one of the things I did for Johnny Cash's dad, and that's the second film I did with James Mangold. The first one was Copland, which is one I of my Copland. favorite movies, personally. Great movie. And, 
when Mangold said, do you want to work, you know, I know you have a relationship with Joaquin. You guys are friends from Ladder 49. Do you think you could play his dad? And I said, sure. And I called Joaquin up and I said, hey, man, uh, it looks like I'm going to play your dad. I just want to ask you, is that going to be a distraction because we're friends or, or are you going to be able to create that reality and, and is it going to be okay with you if I play your old man? And he said, absolutely. You know, I, I'd love that if you played my dad. And uh, so, uh, you know, those are the kind of things I consider, uh, you know, like the other actors and uh, you know, how much work they've done, you know, uh, whether or not they could see me as as their father and, you know, Joaquin and I have great uh, chemistry together. He's a he's a great friend of mine, and uh, <laughs> I love that movie. Walk Walk the Lines, my <laughs> all time favorites that I personally worked in. And, you know, um, you just you find out what you can about the character. You you read you you know the internet's great for you know getting information, and, and then you just try to put yourself in their mindset and react That's the way. Nice that they would react or how do you think that they would react? But, uh, you know, you have to do all that research and preparation before they film and then you show up and, you know, hopefully you've done your homework and uh, you can give it something. So uh, I, I was going to ask too real quick in, the, in regards to this. Are, are you, I know your brother is a musician. How, are, mm-hmm. does that, does that affect, uh, is that part of the reason why you've done so many of these great rock, uh, sort of rock history roles? No, that has really no input on it whatsoever. I mean, other than the fact that uh, Richard and I grew up in an environment where music was a big part of our household, and our father was a mm-hmm. trumpet player, and, uh, you know, we've always been a fan of music, and, um, uh, you know, but I, that really has, uh, that really had no bearing on whether or not I was going to play those parts. Uh, uh, because my, the characters, I, except for the time I played Elvis, um um, that's the only time I've actually played a musician per se. I was always the father that didn't understand you know, <laughs> why they wanted to be a musician. You know, it wasn't a real job for Christ's sake, you know? <laughs> well, and, and I know that you're um, up in the upcoming movie, Lovelace, you're, I believe you're playing her father in that too. Is there anything yeah. that you can tell us about that movie um, without getting in yeah, trouble with the it's studio? A very, very, very sad story. You know, Linda Lovelace spent 17 days in the porn business and became the most famous porn actress of all time. She was a good little Catholic girl raised by her father, who was an ex-soldier, and um, he was a New York City cop, and he, you know, he raised her in a, a church environment, and uh, they were Catholic, and, and uh, you know, she got pregnant as a teenager, and he didn't feel like, you know, they didn't think abortion was the right answer, and, and they, they moved uh, the family from New York to Florida, and they let her have the kid, and they put the kid up for adoption, and they tried to raise her, and then she meets this guy, Chuck Tainer, played by Peter Skarsgård, and he, uh, he you know, kind of pulls a little over all of our eyes and convinces us that he loves her, and he marries her, and then the next thing you know, uh, he's pimping her out, and he's the one that got her in the porn business. He manipulated yeah. her and got her in the porn business, and then he, then he, then he turns her into a prostitute. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's a horrible was, uh, story. It's a horrible story. It was a heartbreaking story. And, you know, I can relate to the father because, A, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm an Episcopalian, and uh, I go to church twice a week, and I understand that mindset and how, how, how difficult that must have been for this father to actually go and see his daughter performing in uh, Deep Throat and how, 
thought broke must have been devastating to him and broke his heart. Yet he loved his daughter, and you know, and and he, all he wants is the best for his daughter and for her to be happy. And he's you know trying to deal with it, and it's a uh, you know uh, an everyday man dealing with an extraordinary circumstance and and praying for grace to get through it. So you know. Um, very interesting role, and I was really thrilled to play it. I love Amanda. Uh, she and I had a immediate chemistry, and I could totally relate to her as a daughter, and and uh, and uh, likewise as as me as her father. So awesome. I'm excited That's... about that film. I haven't seen it, but I'm I'm hearing really great things from Sundance. So looking forward to seeing. Yeah, it. I, mean, I was going to say I it. Lose okay. you. I may lose you in this canyon. If I do, I'll call you right back so you can finish up. I'm I'm going up in the Hollywood Hills right now. Oh, okay, no problem. Um, I I'm going to we'll try keep and wrap talking, this up. But I'm gonna cu- okay, we'll keep talking. Yeah. But I might cut out. I'll call you back just to be polite. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, uh-huh. So I, I'm going to try and do this really quick. Um, one thing I know you've probably been asked a hundred times, but I have to ask for the, the listeners out there. They're doing another Terminator movie. Would you be interested in coming back for it? I'd be interested to hear what they're doing, uh, and I'd be interested to hear whatever they've got to offer up. Uh, if there's anything at all, uh, I don't know who's going to be directing it and the script. And, you know, there's a lot of things you got to consider. Well, um, I, I wanted to just do a really quick wrap-up before we lose you again. And I wanted to ask uh-huh. you definitely about... Um, about the boost fighters and the love race and your involvement with that, because that's oh, the some great stuff. Yeah. The love ride. Yeah. yeah. The boost fighters. Yeah. The boost fighters is a motorcycle club that was founded in 1946 by uh, veterans of world war two. They came back to Los Angeles and they were, uh, they were riding, riding around, still looking for an adrenaline rush and coming down after the war. And, um, they were looking for a, some excitement and some brotherhood and, they found it through motorcycle and motorcycle racing, and they formed this club called the Boost Fighters, and it's essentially a drinking club with a motorcycle problem. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I'm a motorcycle enthusiast. I, for kicks, when I have time in between films or projects, I will uh, ride around the country on my motorcycle with my buddies, and uh, I go off on these long trips across America and. On one of the trips, I met a booze fighter, and I had read a book about the booze fighters motorcycle club because they're so historic. And uh, and on the off, uh, I ended up meeting a booze fighter and talking to him and saying, you know, I could be a booze fighter, and I have a lot of friends that ride motorcycles in Los Angeles, and that's where it started. And how come there's not a chapter in Los Angeles? And blah blah blah. And one thing led to another, and uh, I took him up on the offer to, to meet some people and see about actually starting a chapter in Los Angeles. And I did six, seven years ago, uh, started a chapter in Los Angeles. And, um, that's been a real wonderful part of my life. Uh, all the motorcycle riding and, uh, all the brotherhood that comes from, uh, being in a club like that. And we've, uh, made our chapter a, a nonprofit uh, and we try to put on events throughout the year to raise money for disabled veterans. And uh, uh, I've been involved with the Love Ride uh, motorcycle event since uh, about 1992, and and the Boost Fighters have uh, been involved with that since I, you know, we got the chapter back here in LA. And last year we did a fundraiser and we made a uh, uh, half a million dollars for the USO. 
That's amazing. United Servicemen's Organization. Yeah, and we're going to do even more next year. And and uh, tomorrow I'm leaving for the with the USO. I'm going to uh, the Middle East uh, to go and watch the Super Bowl with the troops. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, and and you do um, is the next one in October uh, the next love ride or the next? Yeah, event? it'll be. Yeah, it's in it's in October. Uh-huh. Perfect. And um, I just wanted to real quick uh, uh, to say tell everyone if they weren't aware already that you are coming to Horror Hound Weekend in March of this year. And oh, how um, weekend. Horrorham weekend yeah, in Cincinnati. And it's going to be great. And I, I, I hope you're excited because um, I know the fan outpouring has just been tremendous when they heard you're coming. So um, hey, we're really? very, very excited. Well, that's, very much That's nice. Thank you. Yeah, we, we totally are looking forward to it. So, um, Robert, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, thank you again for you. Some great stuff, and um, you did have excellent hair in Double Dragon. I, I have to reiterate the hair. You like that, world that, silver, uh, that silver hair in Double Dragon? Yeah, that was a director's yeah. idea. <laughs> <laughs> you pulled it off like a champ. It was great. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> but thank you. you again. And thank you for some great films. And um, I once again, I can't wait to meet you in person. I'm going to buy you a beer or whatever it is you drink. I will buy you one. So thank you All again. Right. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Look forward to meeting you. Perfect. See you in March. Thank you again. Thank you. Can't wait to see everybody in Cincinnati. All right. All right. One, two, three.